Our philosophy here on Two Teas in a Pod is to use English in its most natural form. Therefore, occasionally a bad word may slip through the net. This episode contains adult language. Welcome to podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Two teas in a pod. Welcome to podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Two teas in a pod. Welcome back to Two Teas in a Pod. How are you doing, Tim? Not bad. Not bad. A little bit creeped out. Really? Why is that, Tim? Because of the spooky short story we've been reading for this second edition of the Two Teas in a Pod book club. Or not so short story as I found, to my horror. Yes, it is quite long. It's quite long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the book we're looking at this week is The Colour Out of Space by H.P. Lovecraft. Um, I'd never read any of his things before, had you? No, it's the first one I've read of his. I read it a couple of months ago while I was in lockdown. Um, I got a, a Kindle book of lots of his short stories. He wrote loads of his sh- lots of short stories during the um, early part of the 20th century. And he's one of these uh, authors or artists who was much more famous after they died. Oh, really? So when he was writing his short stories, he was writing them as, you know, basically like comic book, like mm. um, throwaway pulp fiction, basically. Right, okay. Um, but they've, yeah, they've had a great influence, haven't they, on yeah. a lot of um, modern yeah. things, so, books and films. Mm-hmm. So during the 60s and 70s, obviously, everyone was, you know, being all hippie, taking lots of drugs and things <laughs> and discovered his stories and they influenced lots of people like Stephen King. Um, was massively influenced by H.P. Lovecraft. Okay, I'm learning lots here. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. So, I've, never, I've only read one Stephen King novel. I think I've only read one as well. <laughs> <laughs> but love him. Maybe that should be our next one. Yeah, definitely. Let's do a, a Stephen King next. We would recommend this story for slightly higher level. Um, yeah, the language de- is quite complex. Yeah. And if def- you want to challenge yourself, then, then, then go for it. I think it's... Um, Especially especially if you're doing something like proficiency, this is probably a perfect text for you to read. Yeah. But see one as well. Especially sure. if you're a horror fan. Yeah. Um, and an adult. I'd say this one's for adults because it yeah, is quite creepy. Yeah, a bit creepy. Um, so, first of all, we're going to take a look at the story. The outline. Quick okay. plot, the synopsis. So, we, we have our na- narrator. Obviously, you need to have read the story first already, guys. So, yeah. don't come into this blind. We're going to do lots of spoilers. Yeah, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so, we have our narrator, who is never named, who's a man who's uh, a surveyor. So, he's someone who's going to um, look at an area of land before they're going to build a, a reservoir. So, they're about to... Uh, flood this whole valley. Um, oh, in... I didn't pick up on that. Knowing what I know, that's now very relevant. Mm-hmm. Flood this whole valley um, to create a reservoir. So he's going there and looking at the the abandoned buildings and the little villages that are going to be flooded um, before it happens and, and telling the people in that area what's going to happen. And he is traveling around this area and he comes up, uh, upon this place they call the Blasted Heath. What's the Blasted Heath, Katie? Blasted uh, Heath, I'm not actually sure what Heath is. Like a big flat bit of land? Yeah, basically like an area of Blasted land. Blasted would be like destroyed. Yeah. So it's known locally 
by the as the blasted heath um, by the locals around the area. And basically it's a big area of land where nothing grows. Um, all the grass has gone like gray. Um, the buildings are destroyed. Mm. Um, and nobody it's wants like to go near there. the light's been drained out of it. Yeah. Um, and everybody in the area is scared of this, this place. So the guy goes and visits this place and he just drives past um, this old farmhouse where he sees this strange well that's like creeping him out and he's, he doesn't really understand what's what's going on with this place. Mm. He ends up going around asking the locals and finds this guy called Ami, a local farmer who um, knows the history of the Blasted Heath, how it became destroyed. Um, and then basically the rest of the story is Ami describing um, to the guy the the things that happened on the Blasted Heath to the farmers, mm. the gardener. The the, what was the father called? Nahum. Nahum, gardener and his family. Um, and basically the story starts with the guy saying that he heard the story and then immediately left the area, quit his job and decided he never wanted to go back to that area. So you already know before that it's going to be, you know, a, a quite disturbing story. Mm. So it's ha about this one night, a meteor crashes into the gardener's lands. Mm -hmm. um, and in the morning... It's an odd meteor, isn't it? Yeah, very strange, very strange colored meteor um, that never cools down. And it begins mm. shrinking. Um, and so the local scientists come out and they're like, wow, this is a... Uh, a wonderful specimen from outer space that's landed here. We have mm -hmm. to do experiments on it. Um, so they go and they take a piece of the stone and they take it back to the to the city to run tests on it and things like that. And it, it behaves in very strange ways. Mm -hmm. um, it, first of all, it shrinks. It reacts strangely with different things. It gives off this really strange color that they can't describe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they put it in a glass uh, beaker, like a glass jar, and put it on the shelf overnight to do more experiments on it the next day. And when they come back the next day, it's disappeared. And the glass beaker's disappeared as well. All that's left is like a burnt patch where it was. So they're right, we've got to go and get some more. So they drive out to the farm and they find that the, that the meteor shrunk even more. And overnight, there's been a big uh, storm and lightning has like been drawn to the meteor and the meteor has been struck by lightning four times in the night and it seems like um yeah the lightning's being sort of attracted to this thing and, and hitting it um so they take another piece a bigger piece this time and the same thing happens they run these tests on it um they can't get any idea what it actually is and again the, the piece of it disappears um and then it shrinks doesn't it, it gets absorbed yeah, it completely well. shrinks away. Um, and they're doing one last thing on it when they're on the farm where they sort of cut into it and pop like a like a bubble or something inside it um, that seems to disappear. And they think that this might be the, 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 the moment where they go too far and do something that's going to lead to mm. the, the strange goings on later on. Um so then strange things start to happen around the farm over the course of the next few months. What are some of the strange things that happen? The Katie? vegetables start growing. They mm -hmm. seem to be growing really, really well, but they're, they're really oversized. Mm -hmm. 
and they have they're kind of inedible. Yeah. The the apple goes bitter. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what the other things were, but they're all kind of oversized, but not not edible mm-hmm. anymore. So they, to begin with, they think it's going to be really good because like a really fruitful harvest. Yeah, and they're all bigger than normal. They were wrong. And they make you feel sick when you eat them, so yeah. they have to. And then the um, the animals all get really distorted and strange things strange things start happening to to them and they like they start growing other noses and things i don't know kind yeah. of skim past that is that what happens <laughs> yeah yeah they sort of yeah definitely they have deformities and then gradually like the, the they pigs, kind of start wasting away yeah the pigs and the cows and all the the livestock start wasting the bees away leave as well which i thought was quite significant yeah all the insects on the farm disappear oh but then the insects come back later yeah Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> and then, so it slowly seems to be getting weirder and weirder. And so the farmer's like, right, okay. Um, Nahum's like, the dad says, I'm not going to plant anything on this part because I think the ground's been poisoned by the meteor. Um, so I'm going to plant everything over the road further away. Um, and then uh, Amy, so the guy who's telling the story to the to the other guy, um he visits the family and he says to them that he thinks that the well, because the well is right by where the um, uh, meteor has crashed. Mm. The well has been poisoned and they shouldn't drink the water. Um, and they ignore him and say, no, it's fine. And they keep drinking the water. Um, it's kind of weird, though, don't you think, that he says that when he's like, oh, I'm going to plant stuff over there, but it's okay to keep drinking water from there. Yeah. It's a bit come strange. Come on, common sense. Mm-hmm. And then strange things start happening, like the the family start to um, start acting strange. The the kids, so there's there's the um, Nahum, the dad, uh, the mum, and the three sons. And when the school year ends, and they they stay home for the harvest, and then the boys don't go back to school the next year, and they're starting to be sort of shunned by the rest of the mm. the village so the village starts to reject them because they whenever anyone goes past the farm at night this strange glowing like the whole farm's glowing oh, this yeah. strange That's light true. I forgot about that and, and the, the fruit glows as well yeah and then they start to glow as well yeah and the the trees seem to be moving uh every night even if it's not windy um do and eventually, the the mum goes crazy. Yeah. So loses her mind. It kind of starts off like she. Um. What did they say? Start starts losing the ability to speak. Like she can't speak in full sentences anymore. Yeah. And she just starts saying lots of verbs and pronouns, but all the nouns are gone. Yeah. That I thought was quite interesting. Yeah. It's very and then strange. she starts pulling really weird, terrifying faces. Mm-hmm. And and screaming. Well, he starts. Screaming. The dad lets her just roam around the farm. Yeah. And then she starts scaring the kids. So he puts her he's up like, in the attic. Get in the attic. <laughs> locks her in a room in the attic because she's freaking the kids out. And then so slowly over time, like the the, the oldest son also goes crazy. Um, the same thing happens to him. And uh, so he's got the. The oldest son locked in one room and his wife locked in the other room and they're sort of screaming through the walls at each other. It starts to get very... <laughs> oh, Sounds like scary. a wonderful place. Yeah. Then the son dies. 
Um, How did he die, though? That wasn't clear. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's clear, know. but he just finds him dead. We in know there. that... What's his name, the farmer again? Nahum? Nahum. He comes, he comes to... Uh, Oh my god, what is his mate's name? I've forgotten all the names. <laughs> Amy. Amy. He comes to Amy and he's distraught and he's like, my son died, but I don't know. Or it's like all a bit mysterious. Yeah. It's never fully explained. Yeah. Because it's like uh, Nahum, who's the farmer who lives on the farm with the meteor, is um, explaining it to to Amy. Um, so it's kind of like a third, third version, third person account of what actually happened. Mm-hmm. And then the second son disappears in the night, goes out to get water from the well. And never comes back. Never comes back. And they find like their um, fused lump of metal, which they think was the lantern. The oh, the lantern. Okay. He was holding and the pail, like the bucket he was holding to, to, to uh, collect the water. So he disappears. Um, so then Amy hasn't heard anything from them for a long time. So he decides to go and visit the farm. Um, and he goes in and he finds uh, Nahum. And Nahum's basically gone gone crazy as well. Gone nuts. And so, then he starts speaking, doesn't he? And that's when you realize that the speech is really yeah has really been affected. He keeps talking about the colors. Yeah. So talking about this weird, like, indescribable color that they're all obsessed with. Mm. Um and so he goes upstairs to the attic room to try and find the wife and opens the door and goes in. And as he opens the door, it's like a wind or like something rushes past him um, and down the stairs. And then he sees like the body of the wife. We don't, we don't know. He just says it's the most really disturbing um, image because we assume that she's been sort of transformed in the same way like the cows and the pigs have been. Mm-hmm. Um and then he realizes that the thing that rushed past him was some sort of being or something that makes the farmer finally go completely mad and also lose die. his shit. Lose his shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then the um, Amy just runs away and says, "And runs." I'm to out the, of here, guys. I'm out of here. <laughs> and then he goes back to the town and says to the police, "Like, look." Um, everybody's on the farm's dead. You need to send a doctor there. Mm. You need to send the police there. And they say, okay, but you have to go with us. So, Oh, God. He has Poor to go Amy. back to the house. Poor <laughs> Amy. Um, and they go in and examine the remains. And they go and uh, go down into the well and discover the... Do they go down into the well? Yeah, they send like a guy down. Oh, my God. And they drain all the water out of the well. And they go down there and they find the, the skeletons of the two sons. And um, some other remains, right? Yeah. Um, and then as they're... And they find this weird mud at the bottom that, is, that seems to be completely like... Um, they push a, push a stick into it and it's like it has a bottomless depth. It's like goes as deep as, deep as they can push the, mm. the stick. Um, and then it's like night falls there and everything goes ma- mental and all the <laughs> the horses that they've got outside all go crazy and like run run wild so they're stuck there without their horses mm-hmm. and then there's this massive like explosion of color that comes up out of the hole all the trees and all of the 
um, house around and the whole house starts glowing with this weird color and then the color shoots off uh, up into the sky as if it's like some sort of being that's leaving mm, like, um, ro- like a rocket yeah and just as this is happening so as it's beginning to happen all the men run out of the house and run as far as where as they can and basically as this color leaves um, the whole house is expl- destroyed um, but they can still sense that there's some part of it still remaining in the house don't they oh really i yeah. thought they saw one bit shoot up and then it doesn't quite reach it and yeah. then it falls back and it comes down. back down so there's part of it they know that there's part of this thing still that's still be there. Left there um and then yeah like we said it ends with the the guy who's being told the story saying that he's never going back to that place and quitting his job and saying he will never drink the water in the reservoir because they're going to flood that area and fill it with there's going to be drinking water for a whole mm. city um again interesting that's the um, end. what do you call that not foreboding you know when they're talking about the reservoir in the beginning yeah I'd for, I'd foreshadowing thought about yeah. foreshadowing yeah so, so very creepy story mm-hmm. and it creepier still because there isn't like a physical being that's causing all of this it's just this whatever's going on yeah so it's, yeah, I don't know. That makes it scarier in a way for, for me, I think. Oh, really? There's not one thing to blame. It's not like, you it's know, an, an alien or a monster. Force. It's something completely, um, you know, unidentifiable. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, what's to say if aliens come to this planet? What's to say that they're going to be like, have two legs and yeah, and a head and a mouth? They might be some, you know ethereal ghostly thing yeah have you seen and i know we talked about this before but have you seen uh, before we were recording annihilation yeah now i as i was reading this i was really thinking of annihilation a lot because that is a film that's on netflix with natalie portman Mm -hmm. and oscar isaacs yeah i think yeah um and this yeah there's something something that something comes to meteor as well yeah, yeah, some kind of meat. Yeah, some kind of meteor mm-hmm. that takes something with it, and it's di- just distorts everything yeah. around it. And they, I very much thought about that as I was reading it, especially yeah. like finding the wife in the in the room and the bodies being totally transformed. Yeah, some very. Have you seen that? Have you, you've seen it. I've seen an eyelash. There some really, bits really that good. really creeped me out in that film. Yeah, where they find the bodies of the the soldiers who were there, and they've got like. I don't know. They're really, really distorted in really strange ways. Well, that book, that film, Annihilation, is based on a book which was based on A Color Out of Space. But that's a full novel. Um, so this this short story has been um, remade or re, I don't know, envisioned by lots of different people. Mm. They made a film of it last year with uh, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but it's supposed <laughs> to be quite good. Oh, really? Yeah, it's supposed to be good. <laughs> It's supposed to be a bit crazy, but it's basically the this story, but this story is set in like the 1800s, mm-hmm. um, 1882, I think, but in the Nicolas Cage version, it's modern day. Um, yeah. We need to give that a watch, see what mm. it's like, compare it to the... Definitely. To the um, the, the story. The original one, yeah. Um, there's lots of interesting themes uh, mm-hmm. in this. Um, I thought... Well, yeah, it really occurred to me like, you know, there's this something, there's something uh, 
alien coming into a space and absorbing it and taking take sucking the life out of it which i thought hmm is this what the author thinks is this what hp lovecraft thinks about immigration Hmm, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Maybe. I mean, uh, he is a bit of a controversial figure. Some of his thoughts on uh, race and things are a bit Ooh. a bit off. So, mm. And he, he talks quite a lot in some mentions in some, some points about um, that the foreigners coming to live in that area and the foreigners could, didn't like that area. His use of the word foreigners comes up quite a bit. So yeah, it could be one way. That gave me the creeps, actually, yeah. thinking about that afterwards. It could be one way of one way of reading it. I mean, um, it's like that, you know, with lots of people. You have to think about their their work and the separating the author from their mm. from their work. But it could be one of the things that he's expressing. Um, maybe not consciously. But, mm-hmm. um, some of the stuff I thought that came up in there is the fear of um, the unknown, definitely, and fear mm-hmm. of science. Mm-hmm. So this is written around about the start of the 20th century mm-hmm. when um, stuff like, well, specifically Einstein's theory of relativity, it just he just presented that. Um, and things like the beginnings of, uh, you know, splitting atoms and getting deeper into uh, physics and understanding more and more and more about uh, how things are made. Mm-hmm. And there was an interesting thing I read somewhere that maybe it's just the idea of the impact of the meteor that causes the contagion maybe this sudden intrusion of from outer space uh into the lives of the the people in this little village makes them realize how small and how insignificant they are and like gives them an idea of um you know that they're just interesting reading they're just this tiny... That's all in their minds. Yeah, they're, they're just a tiny thing on a tiny rock in this huge universe. Yeah. And it's all in they their minds. They don't really matter at all. Yeah. Um, There's also some interesting stuff about... Um, he mentions the the witch trials at the start. Oh, yeah. The, the Salem witch trials and stuff like that. There's strange that this area, um, New England, uh, in the United States... United States, United <laughs> States, uh, Love Lovecraft is from there. Edgar Allan Poe mm-hmm. and Stephen King. Mm-hmm. So three of the, like the big titans of horror all come from this part of um, the states, um, an area that was settled by the Puritans when they went over to United States. So it might. Mm. I don't know why it seems to be that this part of the states um, gives rise to all these creepy stories and that that uh, that load of people you know you told me about a horror film uh called is it called the witch the witch yeah that's also set in that kind of yeah uh, that's quite an extreme yeah puritanical kind of yeah yeah they're set in that similar area mm-hmm. there's something there's something of that yeah around there <laughs> definitely well it's like you know to them they thought they were like bringing the word of God to a, you know, completely to them barbaric area that could be ruled over by, you know, witches and spirits and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's, in a way, it's kind of makes sense that, I don't know, they would some come up with these. Some of that's lasted these. in some kind of the folklore of the time. Yeah. Um, H.P. Lovecraft actually believed in witches. 
Really? And he thought that... Um, God, he this, was an unusual character. He was a he? very unusual character. He thought that in the witch trials, mm. that um, yes, he thinks the majority of people that were executed were probably innocent, but that there was a seed of like pagan beliefs or like old cult, occult beliefs that from people that came over from Europe mm. um, at the root of it. And he believed in the occult and believed in like spirits and these things so it's interesting and he also believed in aliens i suppose yeah you know they are plausible aren't they Mm -hmm. um interesting yeah i also it's interesting that he believed in witches but you could you could look at it from another point of view which is you know mental illness and how Mm. they all go mad and it's kind of you know it's kind of said very flippantly they all go mad Whereas yeah. the fact that all the people that go mad are related, apart from the man and the wife, mm-hmm. but it could be some kind of inherent, um, inherited, yeah, m- mental health issues. Yeah, well, he had he had lots of mental health issues, and it ran in his family as well. Um, so yeah, I think he talks about and alludes to those mm. quite a lot in his in his writings as well did he actually mention the witches in the beginning of the story i didn't, I didn't he right at the start he mentioned something about um uh it, i can't remember i'll see if i can find the actual line there's something about not in this area this area hasn't seen anything as strange since since this, the witch trials or so maybe in this universe of the story mm-hmm. maybe something like this has happened before um, and I don't know when the Salem witch trials were, but maybe let's say a hundred years before. So maybe the implication is this is a hundred year occurrence. Mm, maybe, Ooh. maybe, yeah. Something that it reminded me a lot of, um, also tying into like science and stuff, was uh, I've just recently watched Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. And this whole watched the first idea. episode and gave up because I was too traumatized. It's very traumatic, but the idea of something you don't understand um, destroying you, so the radiation from the Chernobyl accident, um, and it has a sort of similar effect on stuff like the animals and things like that, as as is described in the story. Um, so, Which like, because that was long before nuclear power. Well, the beginnings of the, you know understanding how the atom was yeah, formed like, yeah, and stuff that's true. but it, that they was weren't all around that time yeah they weren't going to actually split the atom for another you know 10 20 years um but yeah it's like in chernobyl there's a bit where there's the big fire in the well the big explosion in the in the nuclear power plant and all the people in the village or in the town next door go up on the bridge to watch to go, oh there's a big fire let's all sit and watch the fire <laughs> and just be exposed to this yeah. invisible radiation and basically everybody on that bridge died yeah because they didn't understand the implications or you know what was happening to them yeah it's a similar thing in the story about you know continuing to drink the water not understanding yeah. it and just and refusing to leave like being like no this is my land this is my farm mm-hmm. I'm not going anywhere mm-hmm. um yeah, it gave me echoes of that. Maybe just because I've only just watched that show. No, but. I think I think you're right. There is something that the invisible, the invisible force, the invis mm-hmm. something unseen, and not does not discriminate. There's yeah. everyone who goes at its path will be will be swept away. Yeah, and it's unstoppable. And there's there's nothing nothing you can do about mm-hmm. it. And impossible to understand as well. Ooh, creepy. 
It is creepy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Two teas in a pod. So we are going to have a look at a bit more detail, some of the language in the first paragraph of of the story because it's quite a lot there's quite a lot in here and it's quite dense so we'll just focus on the first part so tim would you like to read it out for us i will i really love this opening because it's very creepy and sets the scene west of arkham the hills rise wild and there are valleys with deep woods that no axe has ever cut there are dark narrow glens where the trees slope fantastically and where thin brooklets trickle without ever having caught the glint of the sunlight. On the gentler slopes there are farms, ancient and rocky, with squat, moss-coated cottages brooding eternally over old New England secrets in the lee of great ledges. But these are all vacant now, the wide chimneys crumbling, and the shingled sides bulging perilously beneath low gambrel roofs. Creepy. Very creepy. I also just realised, reading that, there's not one mention of a human. No. Uh, even when they talk about an axe, the axe has never cut. It doesn't even talk about someone cutting it with an axe. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So let's take a look at some of these mm. lovely phrases. So we've got, first of all, dark, narrow glens. Mm. Glens is a very old English word. Meaning a valley. A valley, right? Yeah. So okay. glen. So a valley. You'll hear it a lot in Scotland in the names of whiskies. That's true. And mm-hmm. also valleys. Yeah. <laughs> Glencoe. Yeah. Glenmorangie. Yeah. Glenfiddich. We're just naming whiskies now. We're just going to have a glen off. <laughs> Can't think of any the glen. Um, and then there's also thin, where thin brooklets trickle. Yeah. So in this case, a brooklet is a, a small, a, a stream of water. Yeah. And trickle is um, what what happens with water? Trickles. Yeah. A small amount of a water. A small amount of water trickles. Yeah. And it moves. Mm-hmm. So you say what? River, then a stream in size. So a river is the biggest stream. A brook is smaller. And, and a brooklet, brooklet is very, very, very small. small. A very, very small river. What else, what else jumps out to you, Tim? So on the gentler slopes, there are farms, ancient and rocky, with squat, moss-coated cottages. So a squat cottage means sort of s- short Small. and wide, right? <laughs> yes. yes. You could probably describe people as squat as well, but it's not a very flattering word. Yeah, like short and fat, right? Mm, squat. Indeed. Yeah. 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 It's not very flattering. No. Don't use that to describe people. It's not nice. Mm-hmm. And then it says they're brooding eternally. Yeah. Which means watching over. I guess brood is to like sit and look sulky or upset. Yeah. But in this case, I think it means to 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 watch quietly over over the land. Mm-hmm. And over the secrets, no? Like they're over keeping the secrets. The secrets. Exactly. And like how he says eternally over old New England. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Old New England <laughs> old secrets. New England. Yeah. Brooding eternally over old New England secrets in the lee of great ledges. What do you think he means by that, in the lee of great ledges? So, um, in the lee uh, means out of the wind. So, if you're sitting in the lee, it means you're sitting behind something. So, maybe... Protected from the wind. Protected from the wind, mm. yeah. And ledges, I assume, they're talking about big pieces of rock. Yeah. Okay. Mm. 
Um, they're all vacant now. Wide chimneys crumbling, mm. with shingled sides bulging. I like how they put uh, wide chimneys crumbling instead of saying crumbling wide chimneys. Mm-hmm. It's a reduced relative pro- relative clause, isn't it? Yeah. Wide chimneys which are crumbling. Yeah. And shingled sides which are bulging. Mm-hmm. There's 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 like three in that in that paragraph alone. Yeah. So you can see that this is going to be a trait throughout in the in the writing. Yeah, and I think it's something like you were saying earlier, there's no people there. It's like giving character to the mm. the buildings. It, What's the, that called when you give yeah, like give personifying life. or oh, there's a word. Um, I don't know. I did an English literature degree, can't remember. <laughs> Anthropomorphizing. Oh, yes, yeah. that oh, ten points to you, Tim. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but yeah, giving <laughs> human qualities and human consciousness yes. to inanimate objects. Exactly. Okay. So it's the wide chimneys crumbling as if they are the the subject exactly okay and then it's the the one of the last few words is low gambrel roofs hmm. now a gambrel i had to look up so don't feel worried if you didn't know what that word was uh it's like if you look look it up yourselves but it's a type of roof typical of new england mm-hmm. you might think of like a barn or like a farm building it would have yeah. this kind of roof mm-hmm so yeah, that's kind of the analysis of the language of the first paragraph. Yeah, um, I'd say as you as you continue on, don't worry too much about the language. Um, I think you read, try and read around the context. Yeah, um, but his, his style of writing is very sort of poetic, and mm-hmm. um, I don't know, trying to the way he writes makes the story creepier. Mm-hmm. In the way that he does things like that, like giving. Um, Anthropomorphizing uh, objects. Very and good pronunciation, like Tim. Sounds great. <laughs> Sound wonderful. Anyway, that's the that's the story. We hope you like it. Yeah, we hope it creeped you out. That's the idea of it. That is the idea. Mm-hmm. And then go away and watch Annihilation and the film with Nicolas Cage. Exactly. That can be. Tell your... us what you think about it. Yeah. So, uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, then why not listen to some more? Why not follow along um, on our social medias? Mm-hmm. Speaking uh, of social media. Speaking of social media, we've launched our YouTube channel. Um, look for it on YouTube, Two Teas in a Pod. Mm-hmm. We've got only got three videos there at the moment, but we're going to be adding <laughs> lots of new content coming soon. Um, and we'd really appreciate it if you checked it out and if you like it. Like and subscribe. Yeah. And tell all your friends about it. It should be useful for in class and useful for self-study as well. Mm-hmm. So if those things interest you, please check it out. Please do. Well, see you next time on Two Teeds in a Pod. Goodbye. Bye. Welcome to, Welcome to the podcast. Two Teeds in a Pod. Welcome to the podcast, two teas in a pod. Thanks a lot for listening to the show. I'd just like to thank everyone involved in the two teas in a pod team, specifically Ben Ward, our wonderful producer for recording and editing all of the episodes. Also Mark Wilding for designing our logo and all our branding. Um, Lisa Marie Court, Bernice Ray, Vicky Milena and our own Katie Wright for singing our jingles and all you lovely listeners for listening along. And of course, to the wonderful Katie Wright, my 
wonderful co-host. Bye!